Hello, children. Gather round the fireplace for a story. Once upon a time, there was a man, and that man wrote a book, an ironic book about racial inequality in the black voice of America. And that ironic book became very popular, even though the man believed in a very different world and hope for the black community. Without further ado, my co-host and I, two very white men, will discuss the Academy Award nominee, American Fiction. Welcome, welcome, everyone. You've selected popcorn for breakfast uh, for your listening enjoyment. This is Cam, your co-host. What up? He's fantastic. You really got to get to know him. Thank you. Um, Hopefully you have in these almost 300 episodes. Is it that many? It's almost there. Yeah. Wow. Almost. It's going to, it's, we're going to go past it and we're not even going to realize it. Not until we hit like a thousand (laughs) because we'll be on such a roll. Right. My name is Kirk, your other co-host, and today we are reviewing the Academy Award nominee for Best Picture and Other Things, American Fiction. That's the first time we got to say that. The Academy Award nominee for for Best Picture or that for is, anything. Because even now the nominees are fresh. You're right, because we've re- reviewed already so many of the nominees. Yes. Probably like seven out of the ten, probably. Oppenheimer, I don't know. Do we do want the, to do this? Do the math right now, right? <laughs> Oppenheimer, Barbie, I think that's, is that it? We didn't do killers. And we didn't American do the fiction. holdovers. We're doing American fiction. I, I think your number. Oh, I was. Way the, low. That was just the opposite. I yeah. said seven out of ten. <laughs> this will be three out of ten uh, films of best picture nominees. So we're really firing on all cylinders. Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> but you can always follow us on all the social medias to hear random thoughts, random tidbits on the Facebook, the Twitter, or the X, the Instagram, the Letterboxed the discord and you can hear our genuine authentic thoughts even here we have genuine authentic thoughts that we'd like to share with you so without further ado let's chat about it let's do it i got a lot to say about this film i'm ready unfortunately mm. if memory serves mm-hmm. and i i hate this I, I i can't even say it i'm so dismayed by it i believe you have to go first i do get to go first have to go first so i will take the the dismay here Let's kick it off with, and the Oscar goes to Mr. Jeffrey Wright. You dirty, dirty dog. <laughs> I love it when you say that. I don't know. It's just very hilarious <laughs> to me. There's just, the must be just the tone in your voice, how you say it. It's because you know it's coming every time. It is true. It is true. Um, Mr. Jeffrey Wright, you've seen him in thousands of, uh, of different films and TV shows. I'm sure that number is exaggerated. Um, you've seen him in Casino Royale. With Daniel mm. Craig. You've seen him in The Batman from, oh, from yes. Matt Reeves. The French Dispatch. And of course, American fiction. Probably his greatest work. I think he's the unsung hero, one of the unsung heroes of supporting actors. And he's stepping out f- just in full form into this incredible role uh, as if the as if it was written for him. This is based off of a book written, I think, in 2001, if yeah, the Google book serves It's called me. Erasure by Percival 
Everett. Beautiful. Yeah. Well done. And he's just perfect. There, there, there's not a moment where you can predict what he is going to do next, which I love that because that means the actor is as real as we are. Because at any moment, you could just do something totally out of character or summon a mannerism that an audience has never seen. But this man, the man that uh, Monk, the man that Jeffrey Wright is portraying, has done his entire life. So we all have these weird quirks and ticks and voices that mean something and uh, life experiences that, that the actor pours into the character. And I think Jeffrey Wright does it at an expert level. I loved every beat of his performance. I, yeah, I would have loved to be in your shoes and have the opportunity to select him. So, uh, well done. I, he's so good. And, and to your point, I mean, you're exactly right. The unsung heroes of supporting actors. I mean, he's got range galore. He's been typecast for a number of years and still, and still is from time to time, but he really does have a, a full toolkit of, different tricks and abilities and, and his performance in this movie is unbelievable. I'm so glad that he got nominated for um, best actor in a leading role for the Academy Awards because I think it's, he's just so deserving. And uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. The book was written in 2001. The movie was made in 2023 and he is, is the perfect actor for the role. It's funny how that sometimes happens where it's like someone comes along who happens to be the perfect person. And I wonder, um, when when uh, Cord Jefferson was making this film, if that was part of the reason, if it was like, it's Jeffrey Wright, it's mm-hmm. got to be, you know, was that the muse for this for this, uh, you know, choosing to adapt this work now? So um, I love that. So since I can't choose Jeffrey Wright, even though I really would have liked to. I'm going to give my Oscar to Sterling K. Brown, who is also an Academy Award nominee for this film. Um, he plays Cliff. Cliff Ellison, who is uh, Thelonious, uh, Thelonious Ellison, the main character, Jeffrey Wright, also known as Monk. Uh, Cliff is his brother. And that's what's interesting when you when you read about this film or you go into this film, uh, what you'll find is kind of like the high concept description of this movie and, and we're spoiler free, so that's really all that we'll share about it too, which is that um, it's a story about a, a writer who is African-American who's having a hard time getting traction later in his career with some of his works. And the reason is because the publishers are saying they want a novel that is uh, blacker, uh, you know, to, to kind of crudely put it. And he, uh, uh, to kind of fight that, writes a joke book that is what he thinks people want. And uh, it's like massively successful. So mm-hmm. that's what you'll read about. But then what you don't hear about is, is this other, this other thing that's going on, which is in Monk's family. There's this whole other element of this story about Monk's family and all the different things that they're going through and all the different, very real kind of elements of their experience that everybody deals with it in, in their families with death and, uh, you know, marriage, divorce, uh, affairs, what what have you, relationships. It's families are messy, and uh, Cliff is sort of the embodiment of that. And and what happens with your family when you get older and you have to kind of work through some things. And Sterling K. Brown doesn't get uh, a ton of. First of all, he's not introduced until a decent bit into this movie. Oh, but yeah. what I what I really love about his performance is something really cool that can happen sometimes is he gets described a few times just in in passing. 
They say this about Cliff or that about Cliff or whatever. Have you heard from your brother? Blah, 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 whatever. You don't see him. You don't see him. You don't see him. All of a sudden, Sterling K. Brown is on the screen. And you're like, that's him. Because he acts it so well that you're like, all those descriptions people were saying, this is that guy. And and he does such a phenomenal job throughout this movie. He's got a really interesting, complex, messy kind of character whose life is crazy. And the relationship between him and Jeffrey Wright is not clean or, or perfect or picturesque in any way, but they are doing life together because they're brothers. And so I just really loved it. And Sterling King Brown is perfect for this kind of role. Mm. He is so talented, St. Louis native from our stomping grounds, so got to give a shout-out. And this role is amazing for him. Uh, I thought he was phenomenal and funny and all of the things that Sterling K. Brown always is, uh, which is just like you can't take your eyes off of him when he's on the screen, and I just have to give him a shout-out. I, th- I thought he was phenomenal. That is everything I was going to say uh, because I was going to pick him for my scene stealer. Yeah, I had to steal him. <laughs> I had to. And everything is so accurate there. The only thing you left out is that he has the body chiseled oh like... Oh, my gosh. Adonis. I was like, did they trick you? Did they say that you've been cast in a Marvel movie? And <laughs> this like, is the next 300 movie. 301. Seriously. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, when he opened up on the, the, the TV series uh, Big Hit, obviously, This Is Us, when it first came out, he's running on a treadmill, and you're like, that's not a real person. <laughs> It's just absolutely incredible. Of course, he probably got his physique when he was in Army Wives, the 108-episode run of that <laughs> series, where he had to play uh, you know, an army man and had to be physically fit at all times. Uh, or Black Panther, maybe. Or Black Panther. So he was in a Marvel movie. He's there been, you go. He's been just... I think he was born with an eight-pack of abs. And it's ridiculous. Perfect pectoral muscles. Not that I've been like studying his body. When yeah, sure, Kirk. It's so impressive, and I'm so jealous. That's all I got to say. Yep. Next one up, Scene Stealer. I got to go into the cast list here oh my goodness and find someone who's worthy of this award i think it has to go to miss tracy ellis ross yep i don't know of any other actor who can just come on screen and just kind of (laughs) be herself that i don't have any problem with that um, I've seen her in just a couple of, of things. I've seen her uh, present uh, just a, just a tad bit, but I just think that I want to be her best friend. And <laughs> it's, it's it's like when you see someone so comfortable like that on screen, you know that they just have like a pure soul because they don't have to put forth any like deep effort to convince you that they are the character that they're playing. They are just there and they are present and they are living through that lens of the camera. It's so impressive and it's it's really hard to articulate into words past that. But what Tracy Ellis Ross does is she just comes in and you you just are magnetized to her. Uh, that's all. I mean, it's that, it's that simple. There's no one else that caught my eye as much as her past Jeffrey Wright and Sterling K. Brown. Yeah, uh, there's a scene, so she plays Monk's sister, Mm -hmm. uh, Lisa, and he kind of alludes to early in the film, like, oh, I got to go see the family, and it feels like it's probably been a while, and things like that, and his sister, uh, you know, he he goes to see her at work, and then they drive, drive home together, and the banter in the car is so real, and so so genuine i just i just couldn't believe their on-screen chemistry was unbelievable 
I could rewatch that scene over and over again because it just, uh, I mean, if you've seen sibling adult sibling relationships, I mean, that's it. And, and they're, you know, they're kind of, Oh yeah. And they, they jump from just like you do with your sibling, you jump from topic to topic yes. with no segue or transition. And it, it just makes sense. Yeah. It's so natural. So that's a, that's a great highlight. Um, I'm glad because I, I get to highlight somebody who I tend to always be drawn towards anytime this person is in a film. Uh, so for my scene stealer, I'm giving it to Miss Issa Ray, who I just think is one of the great rising talents that is in Hollywood right now. I think she's got a ton of skills. She takes everything head on in her performances. She's bold. Uh, she's fearless. She plays a really interesting character in this movie um, called Centara Golden, who is sort of like a, uh, Newman type character for any Seinfeld f- <laughs> uh, fans out there uh, to to Monk. Uh, she's a an author. She's sort of a rival of sorts and just represents everything that he hates. And she is so just magnetic throughout this whole performance whenever she's, uh, you know, you have to kind of, you're viewing everything through Monk's lens. So you have to, you see things the way that he sees it Mm -hmm. and she knows that whenever she's performing and she knows based on where you're at, uh, how you're feeling about her. And she plays that up, you know, whenever you're uh, supposed to be kind of annoyed with her, whenever you're supposed to be kind of confused with her, she's understands where it's at in the story and what the role is and just fits it so perfectly. The, the sort of like big, um, thematic I would call it not the climax of the film but like the thematic climax of the film like where it kind of comes to a head uh, she's heavily involved in it and there's this kind of very pivotal scene that happens and it's it's just her and Jeffrey Wright having dialogue and it's awesome mm-hmm. it's just like two really good actors just doing their thing and it's really impressive really well written also I think and uh, I, I think she was she was awesome Issa Rae is a force, an absolute force to be reckoned with in, in acting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Beautiful. Excellent choice. The next thing we'll talk about is our showstopper, something that stops us in our track camp, uh, really makes us ponder the thesis of the film, possibly, or uh, makes us rethink our lives. Uh, sometimes it's both. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's both. Um, this one comes down to very clearly, very easily, we've already uh, said it several times, the authenticity of this film, uh, the authenticity uh, feel for these characters. I mean, to put it so so clearly for you, so often, if you've ever seen a play, specifically a high school play, where a character has to come in, an actor comes in and has to sit down at a table, they do it with such strange <laughs> brevity. They come in and they stomp through and they kind of wiggle their way into the chair but without moving the chair as if they've never sat in a chair in their lives um in this movie when we see jeffrey wright sit down for dinner with his sister it's like it sounds silly but uh, as someone who studies acting um when you see him sit down it's like oh that was so real <laughs> he moved it like it was a real chair and there there are moments throughout the entire thing where like oh my gosh it's as if we're watching a documentary or someone who just, uh, the Truman Show, just someone who has cameras on them all the time. Just, it's so genuine. Every movement, nothing seems forced from any actor in the entire cast. So it's a it's a big 
accomplishment for the from the director's point of view to be able to uh, in the casting director to be able to pick the correct people to mesh well and then to tell them don't don't overdo it just be as genuine as possible so everything just was so so authentic and so genuine you cannot look away from this film from that aspect of it yeah I, I agree with that I think it, it feels very like the for my showstopper, I almost went with the cast, like the ensemble, because the way they all gel together is so unbelievably natural. Every interaction feels like it could be a real interaction, and and that's obviously a testament to to the writing, particularly the dialogue. We talk about how hard it is to write dialogue, mm-hmm. and you see it done horribly often, even in quote-unquote good films. It, it happens. It's hard to do. This movie does a really good job of it. Um but I'm going to go in a little bit different direction. It's it's related a little bit to what you're kind of talking about the 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 uh, genuineness, the authenticity of the film. Mine is the tone. My showstopper is the tone of the film. This is a dark comedy satire uh, type of film, and that man, that's a balancing act. You really gotta, you know, <laughs> you really got to go the exact right speed for your audience. There's a lot of balance in trusting the audience. There's a lot of balance in not overplaying your hand and understanding where it's at. Not only that, but it's an adaptation uh, of a book. And it can be really difficult to adapt a novel to the screen, especially one like this. That's not like a, you know, this isn't a... um, an action packed. This isn't your dystopian, uh, sci-fi novel. I mean, this is like a, this is a, a real American novel. It's, it's just like a genuine, uh, fictional story and, and something that doesn't have a bunch of gimmicks to carry it through. Like this is about supposed to be about real life. And, um, so there's a lot of forces at play to where the tone of this could get really out of whack and they could really mess it up. But for me, it's it's like pitch perfect throughout in terms of tone. I think the comedy is sharp. It's witty. Um, it hits you at unexpected times. There's some really funny moments where they know when to use comedy in the right way. And uh, in terms of the handling of the theming, which first of all, it's a very unique and sort of like subversive theme that I, I didn't expect. And, and I was like, wow, this is interesting. I never really thought about this before. Um, and they handle it really well and just deliver the material in a really thoughtful way. Uh, so the writers, Cord Jefferson is, is the director and writer of the film, but also um, adapted it from this work by Percival Everett. And I think that he just told, Cord Jefferson just totally understood why he was making this film and how it had to how it had to sound and how how it had to speak to what's happening today for a book that was like you said written in 2001 so i just think the tone such a balancing act i think this is cord jefferson's first feature film if i remember correctly and uh it's just done so well it's it's really remarkable beautiful my next conversation with you cam has to do with the director's shoes. Yeah. So I'm going to slip my slippers on. and Director's slippers. Director's slippers. <laughs> I would really like some shoes that say director's shoes on <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, <laughs> man. We, how have we gone, <laughs> what, three, four years doing this? We don't have that? We need more. I think we need matching shoes that say director's shoes. I think there should be yeah. like a 30-second interval, almost like Mr. Rogers, where we stand up. <laughs> <laughs> we 
<laughs> we change shoes. The screen goes, <laughs> and we say, "Now we're ready." Yeah. Oh, you're talking about him getting ready with putting out singing the yes. song. And put, yeah. Oh, I love that. Ours specifically would be just the shoes. Though. Yeah, I love that. I feel like we could get a lot of viewership <laughs> from that, and or or we could lose a lot. I mean, the <laughs> the the floor is infinity. So yes. I mean, it, it, we'll see. Socks are mandatory. Socks yes. are mandatory. Yes. <laughs> you don't want to see these. No. These piggies. My director's shoes. Um, I feel like we are we were under I, myself, my personal experience of this movie, that I was under a marketing trick, a marketing spell. Ooh. When this trailer came out, I was like, that movie looks very fun. <laughs> this movie's not fun. There's no um, <laughs> there's no dancing, there's no marriage by any means by the end of this film. Um, but but actually there is. <laughs> um, but what I should spoiler alert, but I would what I want to say is that the the trailer itself is so deceiving and it is it is nothing like what this movie is, which mm. in a way proves its point. Uh, if you really sit there and think about it, uh, with the the, ir- the ironic book that our author writes, the publicity he gets from it. However, I didn't want that movie <laughs> that I saw. I was very upset about the the pace of the movie, and I found myself getting very drowsy during this movie. And Cam, I will admit that I fell asleep Whoa! during this. Oh, asterisk, asterisk, <laughs> next year score. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, very, I mean, very much asleep, and I've become a recent snorer. Oh no! I don't know if I was snoring in the theater. <laughs> I bet you were. <laughs> I bet you were. You don't just turn it off. <laughs> I mean, the theater probably had eight people in it, myself included. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I wonder if, if I was just uh, ruining the experience for them. <laughs> oh no! For approximately 15 minutes is what I calculated. I think that I was knocked out for. So again, I'm, I'm angry about the marketing. I, f- I felt like I was duped. Um, and, uh, one other thing that I'd like to say is that this is a very bad, very bad director's choice. I've seen it done in other movies is that, um, we actually see Monk and his sister go to dinner immediately getting into town. And then there's like a shortcut scene, uh, where they, they, Monk does something else. I can't remember what it was immediately followed by they're eating lunch. So they had, they had a deep, deep, genuine plot, uh, a forward plot moving conversation at dinner quick scene less than 10 seconds then they're at lunch having basically the same conversation it's bad writing it's bad directing it those things should not happen i need to see something more interesting if i just saw you at dinner and you're now at another table even though it's lunch you need to be with a different character i don't want to see the same thing happen twice yeah that's that's a really fair critique i I think there is there is some of that going on there's a little bit of monotony or, or lack of dynamics in between scenes where it's like, what are we doing? We're, we're trying to get from one place to the other, but we don't know exactly how to get there. That, that understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, my director shoes is, is someone along those lines. It's really, <laughs> I call it um, too much filler, not enough killer mm. in this movie, which is that I think it helped me to read about how the novel is structured. Cause I haven't read it. And I had I needed to kind of feel that out. Um, and in the novel, there's this interesting dynamic where the book is being written at the same time that you're reading the book. So you're reading this book, but you're also reading the book that he's writing inside of it. Excellent. And that dynamic, I feel like, is sorely missed in this film. There's a lot of stuff going on with the family and things like that, which it is interesting. And it, it has a purpose in the movie. I just think it's 
overplayed too much and it kind of takes some of the wind out of the sails of the overarching story. And if you're going to go that route, I think you got to trim this whole thing down by a good 30 minutes and just make it like a tight 90 Mm -hmm. because it's about a two hour film. Um, So I think there's a little bit of an imbalance going on there. It's all, I mean, you got really good actors, you've got really good dialogue being written and some really cool stuff going on. But in terms of like the overall story start to finish, I think what it really could have benefited from is give us more of that core plot and like make the core plot core and make the secondary plot secondary, Mm -hmm. you know? And this was too much of like a 50 50 going on to where it's like, okay, well, isn't the movie really about this? We've got this other stuff, which matters. It's sort of a sub theme, but it's getting too much time for a sub theme. It's getting too much time for a sub plot and it throws the whole thing kind of out of out of whack. I still really enjoyed it, but I think that's a that was an interesting choice. And when I I was like, I have to know how the novel is structured because again, novels and films are very different mediums, yes. and it can be really difficult to adapt it. So it didn't surprise me that all that stuff was in the novel, and they got probably got played up a ton in the novel because there's tons of pages. But Give us more of what the novel did with that book. That would have been really an interesting way to go. And they were doing some creative stuff uh, from a directing standpoint around the book. Um, so I would have liked to see that more. I love that you did that research because uh, I did not. And I would have, because lo- in this, in the film, no spoilers here, but in the film, he writes the book and then he walks the publishing path, right? The book's written. It's done. That's when I fell asleep. I saw the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, makes sense. This is making sense. He started to write the book, and then I woke up, and the book was written. I was like, wait, what? So I think I would have benefited if it would have translated the rest of the film writing parallel to the events of his life happening. That is more interesting. Yeah. So that actually would have, uh, like you said, the mediums are different, but that would have worked well in both scenarios. They could have even slotted it in throughout, even if we know the book is already published. Yeah. Like show us bits and pieces of it. Give us a montage or something, you know, to just help round out that picture and like make the main thing front of mind. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. I feel like the subplots, like you said, did become the main plot and like they, they yeah. switched oh, yeah. places entirely. Yeah. And then they have to kind of hard switch back <sighs> to make it, to round it out. So it, it, it is, it's a little out of balance. I give some benefit of the doubt because it's like first time director and that like the source, like the material is really interesting. And so it like kept me interested enough. Uh, obviously not you, but <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll get to it in scores, but final thoughts and scores on American fiction. Again, Academy award nominated for best picture for best actor. What else is it nominated for? Best adapted screenplay. Yes. Uh, best supporting actor. Yes. And uh, best score, best original score, actually. Excellent. So five Academy Award nom- nominations. That's fantastic. The score is lovely. The score is, is lovely. Yeah, really beautiful. I, I think it's deserving of all of its awards. I just don't think it's a very good, cohesive movie. I, I don't think that everything was... Um, nothing really comes together for me in this film. All of the, it has all of the magical pieces that should make it good. That should make it strong. And I, I favor this because the acting performances are so good. Um, if you have bad actors, you have a bad movie and there's, there's not a bad actor in this film. So that's where it gets a lot of its score for me today, but man, it is a slow watch and I don't mind a slow movie. I really don't. Um, I, I just, I could not 
like uh, just really invest in this film because it was it was too all over the place and then it i think the latter half of this the latter third was really interesting that's when it got really really good but i i, I already was so i was already trying i was like come on give me something give me something the first two-thirds of the movie so disappointing uh is the word that comes to mind best with this for me and i think it only gets into the academy because of how well acted it was people were shocked as they should be my score Maybe shocking to you. 5.7 out of 10 Oof. kernels. Oof. That's a doozy. That's a doozy. Uh, I'm higher on this film than you. I think for me, it, uh, it is a little disjointed as we just talked about, but I think the sum of the parts is still pretty darn good. And there's a lot of really good scenes in here. There's a lot of really good content. I mean, you talked about the authenticity. I really like the tone. It sticks to the landing for me in a pretty significant way to the point where I'm like, great ending, great finish, uh, great theming, well done. Uh, there, there's definitely some like first-time director type stuff going on here. There's definitely some clunkiness with the adapting the novel to the screen. That, that kind of thing happens. But I do think it does a, a lot more well than it does poorly. I, I would have, if I was going to go this way from a creative standpoint and kind of um use the the main plot as equal in part to the the sort of other plot that's that's unfolding at the same time i would have shortened it down Mm -hmm. like i said and i do feel like there's a little bit of filler in there i think just because it's like what do you cut they're great actors there's great stuff in here and there is there is um but it's just it's not all it's not all necessary mm-hmm. for for it to bite the way that it needs to and parts of this really do bite really well and, and just land um i'm still high I, I i think i'm i'm a little generous on this one i'm giving it an 8.2 out of wow. 10 um i really liked it i thought it was entertaining i thought it was funny and uh i think it deserves to be nominated for best picture in my opinion i i, I understand some people being shocked and uh yeah that's where i'm at no no miss the mark miss the mark <laughs> I think it, it's it well it's well deserved in all of its other categories except for best picture for me. Uh, that's just me. How can you be nominated for adapted screenplay, and actor and supporting actor, but not but not best picture? Oh, it's happened before. I have no evidence to support that, but it's I mean, I'm sure it has. The Academy's <laughs> I mean, this is year ninety six that they've done it, so that's well well played, Kirk. Well played. Oh, thank you very much. Well, tell us what you think. Did you see American Fiction? Do you want to see it? Did you like it? Did you favor it like Cam? Did you favor it less like me? Did you fall asleep in the theater and disrupt and scar <laughs> those people not. with your snores for life? Oh, man. But the popcorn was really good. The popcorn was really good that night, last night. We want to know what you think. Chat with us on Discord. Chat with us on Facebook, on X, on Instagram. Call us on our cell phones, 618-555. We want to hear from you. Email us at popcornforbreakfastpodcast at gmail.com. Any way you think that communication can happen, we're here for you. And we want to talk yes. to you. Give us a five-star rating on anywhere you listen to us on podcasts. I'm really doubling down on everything. Yeah, just go, today. just plug it all. Plug it Subscribe up. Subscribe us on YouTube. Yes, <laughs> definitely that one. YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> yes, it's new. It's a new platform. It's a good one. Trust us. It's better than YouTube. It's predecessor. 
We, we now we're going to get delisted on YouTube because you said that. <laughs> You'll never see this episode. You'll never hear it. We thank you all so much. We want to give a big shout out to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, and the band Rhetoric, which provides all of our original music. We'll see you at the Oscars, everybody. Talk to you then. Peace. Peace.